It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And we do want to welcome you to Calvary Live this afternoon. I am your host, Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in Northern Colorado. And I'm looking forward to talking with you live on the air. I am in studio and I am looking forward to you calling in at 303-690-3000, as you heard at the beginning of the show. And you can call in and ask questions concerning the Bible. Maybe some of your Bible reading or devotions have brought up some questions that you'd like some clarity or understanding. Uh, I'd like to take your prayer requests and so we can pray for you. Maybe you got a praise report or you got questions about Christian living uh, about current events, how it affects us as a Christian. Let's talk about the things that matter. Let's take a look at the Word of God uh, for the answers. Let's talk about Jesus and the things that are of priority in our spiritual lives. So the lines are open, and how this works is it's uh, probably uh, best at the beginning of the show to grab one of those open lines. And again, you make the show. I want to welcome all of you listening uh, on Grace FM Colorado on 101.7 in Southern Colorado and 89.7 FM in Northern Colorado, in the metro area up in the Southern Wyoming. And then also I'd like to welcome all of the Hope FM uh, listeners on the East Coast in Pennsylvania and in Maryland and in New Jersey. Welcome to Calvary Live. You too can call in and ask questions at this time. 303-690-3000. Love to hear from you. Grab one of those open lines. There is a means for you to be able to text in a question, and that number is for texting only, and that number is 720-336-0897. As we are waiting for calls to come in, I'd like to read to you from Psalm 1. Uh, there's 150 Psalms, of course, in the book of Psalms, but Psalm number 1, uh, the first one, in the book of Psalms is one of my favorite, and we don't know who the author is or who penned it, uh, but uh, it's a wonderful psalm that talks about being established in the Word of God. And as we read it, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its seasons, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, so shall he prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And so once again, it is just telling us about uh, how we are established, and there's um, strength in knowing the Word of God, being established, fruit that comes forth. Uh, as we meditate on the Word of God day and night, we're like the tree planted by the waters to bring forth its its uh, fruit and season whose leaf shall not wither. So what I pray is that as you're listening to good Bible teaching all day long on Grace FM Colorado and also for you at Hope uh, FM on the East Coast, that you're blessed and you're strengthened and nourished and fruit comes forth from it in your life as you're taking in the Word of God in your own devotions, as you're taking in Bible study and the church that you go to, 
and uh, and there is tremendous blessing and benefit in that. Well, we already got callers coming in. Let me give you that number again. Grab one of those lines, 303-690-3000. Let's go to line one to Leslie in Denver. Leslie? Hi, how are you? I am good, Leslie. How are you? Good, good. Thanks. I have a question that my, um, my girlfriends and I are doing... Um, we do a monthly Bible study together, and, and actually, this great. this just came up as we were talking. And um, I'm also reading a, a book about marriage called Love and War, um, and one of the chapters is about spiritual attack in your marriage. And um, right. I feel like a lot of my friends feel like they're dealing with spiritual warfare right now. Mm-hmm. And um, this book kind of goes into detail about, I don't know, just how... You know, devil hates marriage and can will basically do anything that he can do to um, destroy marriage, and, and that may even include like giving you thoughts about your marriage, like it's you know it's too tough or this is too hard, it takes too much, that sort of thing. And, and when we were talking about it, it kind of came up with you know anxiety as well and like negative thinking. And if those thoughts are um, if those thoughts are from the devil, my question is. If you, if the Holy Spirit resides inside of you and you can't be possessed by a demon, then how does Satan give you thoughts? Yeah, and that's a good question, um, Leslie, because um, in Revelation chapter 12, he's called the accuser of the brethren who accuses us day and night. So where the battle in spiritual warfare really takes place a lot of times, I mean, we battle against the enemy, we battle against the flesh, and we battle against the world. But in a lot of times, it's in the mind. Um, that's where the battle can take place. And the enemy can come, and he's the accuser. He accuses us day and night. He Somehow he's able to whisper, you know, um, doubts and fears. Um, he's just very good at it in that spiritual warfare. I don't know exactly how it works, but we know it to be true. And so one of the areas where especially he is going to attack is the marriage. Because if he can attack the marriage, and he'll do anything that he can to get a foothold into your marriage, that if he can destroy a marriage, then it has uh, ramifications that are far-reaching, far-reaching as far as you know the rest of the family, children, grandchildren, um, so far-reaching effects on that. And, um, and God's desire in a marriage, of course, as they came and asked Jesus about marriage in Matthew chapter 19, he said that uh, what God has brought together, let no man put asunder. In other words, it's God's intention that you be together for the rest uh, as you both shall live and the rest of your lives. And the enemy is going to try to attack that. He does that with doubts. He does that with anger. He does that with insecurities, all kinds of weapons that he has, those fiery darts that he'll throw at us. And that he, kn- I think he knows our weaknesses. He, he knows... Yeah. Um, how to get at us because he's been doing it for a very long time and he's very good at it. One of the things that um, that I read to when I do premarital counseling is in Ephesians chapter 4, for example, um, that uh, we read that Paul writes, Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So Paul even recognizes that in our own lives there's a place that the devil will come in and a lot of times it's in anger, it's in sin, um, it's in being angry at one another. 
Um, and the enemy loves to play on that, and he loves to bring doubt, and he loves to bring confusion because he's the author of confusion, confusion, and he's a destroyer. So I don't know if that's really kind of what you're looking for, but the Holy Spirit does dwell in us, and the Holy Spirit in us. See, there are those who believe that Christians can be demon-possessed, and I don't believe that God's into time-sharing at all. Um, you know, it, there's nowhere in the Scriptures that indicates that, but it does not mean that he isn't going to try to afflict us and come against us. And, of course, Ephesians chapter 6 says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the uh, you know rulers of the darkness of the age, and take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and uh, and quench the fiery darts that are thrown at us. So he is going to throw those fiery darts at you in any way that he can, and a lot of times it takes place with messing with your mind and your emotions. So Man, it just seems so unfair. <laughs> it, just, it is. You know, yeah, we just are like, is it is it like Job? Like God allows it to kind of refine us and... um. I don't know, to make us stronger and to give us character yeah. and strength and hope. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and here's the thing, Leslie, to remember that a lot of Christians um, don't always think about, or we, we become lethargic, we become lazy spiritually. And the Bible tells us, be watchful. In the New Testament, it's amazing how many times we're told to be watchful. And we're to be watchful because, as Peter says, the, the um, enemy, Satan's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's looking to rip your head off, and he's looking to rip my head off. And when a marriage particularly is glorifying the Lord, and a marriage in the Lord, he's not happy about it. He hates us. He wants to destroy marriages. He's a destroyer and a liar. And it, it isn't fair, but it's reality. So we need to understand this that it's important that couples be praying together. It's important that couples be, um, you know, in the Word of God together, serving the Lord together, praying with their kids. Because here's the truth, Leslie. If the enemy can't be effective in getting at you and your husband or a married couple, guess who he's going to go after? He's going to go after the children. And he's yeah. going to go after any, you know, way that he can to to bring that fear and doubt and confusion into your life. So that's why it's important that we be ones that um, that we stay close to the Lord and put on the whole armor of God, because it's not a playground out there. It's a battleground, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully that helps, but keep yeah, close to the Lord. Um, yeah. Yeah. And could you um, pray for some of my friends right now who who are dealing, I think, especially with, with anxiety and a lot of negative thoughts, and, and also for my marriage, and and also right. for a big upcoming decision I have. Okay, I'd love to. And Father, you know that decision that Leslie has to make, and Lord, is um, she's with her sisters and having a Bible study. That's a wonderful thing. And I pray that through the Bible study that they have, that they would encourage one another, grow in your love and grace, continue to look to your word. But Lord, I pray for their marriages, that you would strengthen them. And Lord, that it would be based upon you. You're the one that is the very foundation of our lives. And just as the psalmist writes, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. 
that they would build everything in their lives, their marriage, uh, their parenting, every, you know, their careers, their jobs, uh, their finances. Everything would be built upon you. And Lord, when the enemy comes, that they would not be full of doubt and fear, but put on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of faith, uh, you know, all those things, um, the breastplate of righteousness and, and, and being able to take on the shield of faith that they will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. So I just lift all this up to you, and I pray that you bless Leslie, that she would know that you desire to bless her and um, her marriage, that all those women that she has um, been fellowshipping and going through the Word of God, that you desire to do a wonderful work in their lives and in their marriages. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Hey, Leslie, I just want to yeah. let you know, one of the listeners here in Colorado that this weekend there is a love and respect conference at Calvary Aurora and uh, would be very beneficial to those, you know, who need some encouragement in their marriage. Or um, It's not just for married people. It's for those who perhaps want to get married someday or who are engaged. But you might want to look at that on, on Calvary's website, uh, which is uh, calvaryaurora.org, and it has all the information on that. But that's coming up, a very important conference on Friday and Saturday. All right? Okay. Thank you so much. You are welcome so much. You have a good evening. You too. Bye. All right. Okay, this is how it works. When somebody hangs up, there's a open line. And so let's go to line two to Steve and Cheyenne. Hi, Pastor. Steve, how um, are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Thank you. Good. How are things up there in Wyoming? Is it windy? Actually, it is windy, and it's, <laughs> it's always windy We're, up here. Well, we're beautiful. getting wind it's here. Like Fifty-five degrees today. Oh, yeah, that is nice for up there. So, but, yeah, anyway, the thanks is for the trade-off for the warm weather. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, it's windy here in Greeley, so we're having a wow. uh, a windy day as well. But thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. What can I do for you? When we die before the rapture, are we essentially asleep, or or do we instantly? Um, go to be with Christ in heaven? It's a good question, and the Bible answers that very, very clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. When Paul's writing that second letter to the Corinthian believers, he had already written about the resurrection, as you probably know, Steve, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He, it's the longest chapter in 1 Corinthians. He talks about the resurrection. To keep in mind, and for the listeners that may be listening in that are new to Bible study, when we talk about the resurrection, we're talking about eternal life, but eternal life in a new heavenly body. So Paul explains that the bodies that we have that are going to be resurrected, you know, at the uh, at um, in the twinkling of, of an eye, um, at the time of the rapture of the church, uh, when that is going to take place. And um, let me read it to you. He says, "Behold, I tell you a mystery." We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So our bodies are going to be resurrected, and we're going to have new heavenly bodies. So the question comes with a lot of people, until that time, what happens? We know that Paul, when he in Second Corinthians is writing to them, he, again, he's writing about the assurance of the resurrection in chapter 5. And he goes on and he says, For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with their habitation, which is from heaven. 
If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. But then he says something very important. He says that uh, now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. And so we always confident, knowing that while at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And we are confident, yes, very pleased, rather, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So what Paul is telling us is that when we take our last breath, when our heart stops, um, and when we pass away our bodies, that immediately we go home to be with the Lord. Um, Our spirit goes to be with the Lord, and then our bodies, because there are those who have come along and said that we go into what's called a soul sleep. And the Bible doesn't teach that at all. The Bible teaches that the body may sleep in the ground until the resurrection, but we don't. We go to be directly home to be with the Lord. So to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we see that that's um, confirmed in other portions of Scripture. For example, when Paul was writing to the Philippian believers, he said, I'm between two straits, either stay here, because he doesn't know whether he's going to be killed or not, and whether Nero's going to have him beheaded in his first imprisonment. So he's writing that epistle from prison. He says to the Philippian believers, he had a very special relationship with them. He said, listen, you don't have to worry about me because my chains are for the furtherance of the gospel. But I'm between two, you know, between wanting to go home and be with the Lord, which is a lot better for me, or stay here, which is better for you. Paul didn't say, oh, would it be better for me to to die and then go into soul sleep, you know, for a while. He says, no, to go home and be with the Lord. And we also know that Jesus uh, on the cross, when he turned to that thief that said, remember me when you come into your kingdom, what was the response of the thief? Do you know? Yeah, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah, you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say you're going to go into soul sleep. So I think the Bible is very clear uh, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And um, so the question comes, when we go to heaven, are we going to have a temporary body? Are we just going to be spirits? Um, um, I don't know, but I know we're going to be with Jesus, and that we are going to have new heavenly bodies eventually. Okay. Thank you very much, Pastor. Hey, thank you for calling. Appreciate you calling from Cheyenne. So, All right. 303-690-3000. Love to hear from you. Good questions so far. My name is Jeff Figgs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley, live in studio, taking your calls. And let's continue with that. Line three to Dwight from Aurora. Hi, Dwight. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you today? I am very much blessed. Um, had a, I listened to the radio about an hour ago. Somebody was talking about Job being the oldest right. book in the Bible. Where did they get right. that from? Well, what they get that from is um, they believe that Job, uh, just from chapter 1, where he was, and let me turn to it, but that he was uh, probably uh, uh, before even the patriarchs, before Abraham. Um, And so it is believed that perhaps Job was written. um, It's not dogmatic about it. Um, I'm looking at um, Dr. Paul Benware's uh, commentary right now, authorship and date on Job, and he suggests that perhaps um, that uh, it was the oldest book of the Bible is what scholars believe, 
but we can't be dogmatic about it. Um, and But we do know that Job lived uh, sometime, maybe even before Abraham, or at the time of Abraham, and, and but there are some that have suggested that the book of Job was written during the time of King Solomon, which would be much later. So it's uh-huh. a suggestion. It's a it's a you know a, a comment that's made that Job is perhaps the oldest book of the Bible. It's kind of like a lot of people in the New Testament, uh, um, Dwight, think that the last book written was the book of Revelation. And right. and many believe that the authorship is at the end of the first century. But some have suggested that actually 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John are actually the last books, chronologically, that are written in the New Testament. So we can take a guess, we can have a good idea, um, but that many believe um, scholarship that perhaps Job is the oldest book of the Bible. And of course, Moses was the one that wrote the first five books of the Bible, right? And um, so perhaps... Um, and then people ask, well, how can Moses write about, you know, the creation story? Well, he was inspired by God, just as Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. But Job perhaps was written uh, the oldest book of the Bible. And again, um, there are others that have suggested um, anywhere from the time of before the patriarchs of Genesis mm-hmm. clear up to mm-hmm. the time of, of Solomon. So... Um, there's a debate on that. I've got a, I got really something exciting I want to share with you and okay. uh, the listeners. Uh, I was listening to John Hagee, who happened to be reading some, uh, I guess it was some prophecies by, uh, I guess his name was Rabbi Ben Samuel, who lived in the 12th century, who, with the Holy Spirit speaking through him, basically hit it right on the head about uh, the 400 Ottoman Empire rule, and he went on to say that God has divided times into 50-year segments, which are the Jubilees, and he said that after the 400-year Ottoman Empire, there would be like, you know, uh, one Jubilee of basic rest, and from 1917 to uh, 1967, he said the Messiah would come after the 1967, adding 50 years to that would make it 2017. And he was so accurate about all the predictions that he made, and I'm not really laying it out as well as he did, but right. it was just fantastic to hear that our Lord might come in 2017, not the second coming, but the rapture, because he does come yeah. to the atmosphere, and all and the Christians the, will hear him. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, and that's the rapture yeah, yeah, and here's the thing, Dwight, to remember, is that Jesus made it very clear when it came to the rapture of the church. He says, no one knows the day or the hour. Right. And he also said to be watching, be waiting, because I come at a time where you least expect it. i got to be honest with you. I get very um, skeptical of those who begin to lay out charts and dates when the rapture of the church may happen. Me too. And that, that's been going on for a long time, and John Hagee is one of them. Um, he wrote a book concerning uh, the blood moons, and, you, mm-hmm. know, um, you know, there was others that wrote about, you know, in uh, 2015, I can't even remember anymore, that that was the Shemitah and seven-year cycles. They go into these cycles or the year of Jubilee. 
first of all, I don't think you can be real dogmatic of when that year Jubilee started uh, because there's such a gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then second of all, that was given to Israel. And um, so I think there's some things that um, that uh, that are skeptical when I read about, you know, the Shemitahs and, you know, the, the Jubilees and all that. Um, all right. I understand that that God has a timetable. But when Jesus says, no one knows the day or the hour, and I come at a time where you least expect it, he meant what he said, and he said what he meant. And I think that um, when those that come along um, that start saying it could be, yeah, it could be 2017, um, Mm -hmm. but we don't know. And I think um, the main thing is live every day for Jesus looking for the one who right. could come and may come for us. So, and that's what's exciting, right, Dwight? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Live every day like it's your last. If you thought Jesus was coming at 3 o'clock, who would you call? What would you do? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it would be a totally different. Yeah, it, but I agree with you. Ahead. Nobody uh, should state the day and the hour. Um, I think it's not necessarily, uh, if he's saying, Rabbi Ben Samuel said, this would happen in, say, the year 2017, then that's not really stating the day and the hour. That is stating right. a year, but, it you know, is, that's totally It is stating wrong. a year. And, and here's the thing for me, too, Dwight, is my final authority is not a rabbi who prophesied. My final authority is the Word of God. And we are right. to take the, the, you know, what is said in prophecy, and we're to judge it. So, you know... Uh, I pray that the rapture happens this year. I pray it happens before the end of the day is uh, what I pray, but we just don't know. And where, when I get somebody who starts laying out the, the Jubilees and the Shemitahs and the seven-year cycles and the, you know, the blood moons and all that, I put it aside. I just put it aside, and I live every day for Jesus because we don't know when he's going to come. And I think right. that's the best way, and I think that's the Jesus way. To, and, and Dwight, the one thing to say is uh, to our listeners is there are a lot of Christians that are told, um, you know, um, you shouldn't be looking for the rapture. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that's the heart of Scripture at all. And um, so um, we are to mm-hmm. be looking and watching because he could come at any time. We just don't he know. He told us to. Right. Yeah. Thank that's you. A command. God bless. Yeah. Thank you. God bless you. Uh, call you again. Bye-bye. You bet. Bye-bye. All right. We're getting ready to go to a break here pretty soon. And um, so uh, 303-690-3000. We've had great questions. I appreciate that question, Dwight. And, um, and, um, and people are calling. I know some of you are, are on hold. Just I'll get to your calls as soon as we go to break here in just a few seconds. But um, it encourages me that uh, people are reading their Bibles. Um, they're really seeking the Lord. I really believe that people are hungry for the Word of God in these days. And, of course, um, for you up in northern Colorado, we'd love to see you as we study the Scriptures Wednesday night at 7. We're in the book of Proverbs and then in the Luke's Gospel on Sunday morning, 8, 9, 30, and 11 o'clock. We'd love to invite you to come out as we go through the Scriptures chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And I love uh, Grace FM, I know you guys are blessed on Hope FM out there on the East Coast. Uh, we get to enjoy some of your Bible teachers, Lloyd Pulley from uh, Old Bridge, 
uh, Joe Foch from Philadelphia, Bill Lukerman. Uh, we're blessed to be able to have those men on Grace FM teaching us as well. Uh, and uh, you get to listen to them. So keep studying the scriptures and keep being blessed. We're going to get back to our callers in a little bit. Again, 303-690-3000. We have an open line, and hopefully we'll be able to get to some of the text messages. And those numbers are 720-336-0897. And we are looking forward to just having a good second half of the show and uh, as we talked about spiritual warfare already um, and uh, spiritual gifts, uh, the rapture of the church, and looking forward to uh, talking to you as soon as we get back here in just a little bit. So stay tuned. We'll be right back for the second half of Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. And welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live on this beautiful afternoon. My name is Jeff Figgs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado. I am live in studio with you, taking your calls and prayer requests. So give me a call at 303-690-3000. The phone lines are lighting up, so let's go ahead and get to those phone calls to line one to Montana from Boulder. Montana? Hi, how are you doing today? Hey, good. Thanks for hanging on. So appreciate it. What can we do for you? Well, uh, I really appreciate the... uh the uh, last uh, little uh, chat that I overheard talking about uh, skepticism with dates, the Shamitas, the Jubilees, God's timetable yeah. and whatnot. And um, I have to be honest with my um, quest for the correct path. I often have a real crisis of faith. And okay. I'm calling to see, do you think it's correct if we just try to accept um God with our heart and Jesus with our heart, that God has a plan and that Jesus loves us, and just uh, try not to think about it too hard, because whenever I whenever I do the math or think about it, it just uh, I always have these self-doubts. Yeah, and, you know, I think, Montana, that can happen. I think about—I remember when I first got into ministry— I used to wrestle with a lot of times, Lord, why would you use somebody like me? Um, finally, I stopped worrying about it and thinking so much about it and just enjoyed it and and received it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And as we read the Word of God, as He ministers His Word to us, it's important that we embrace the Word, stand on His promises, and we not only are believing but rest in it. And I think that's where a lot of Christians, and I've gone through it myself, um, that we wrestle with the promises. We wrestle with um, God's love for us. And is that promise really for me, Lord? And I want to come to the place of resting in what His Word declares, knowing that it's true, because I know in my head that, okay, this is God's Word, 
But in my heart, I want to just say, okay, Lord, you're true. You love me. You have a plan for me. And just as I was reading in the psalm this week, that David writes that the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. And then in the book of Philippians, Paul writes, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in me will bring it to completion, especially in the day of Christ Jesus. And Montana, I'm thinking, okay, I can rest in that, that, Lord, um, you're going to complete it somehow, and, um, and you're going to perfect that which concerns me. So I'm learning to just kind of not always overthink, um, you know, the promises, but just rest in it and receive it and be blessed by it. And uh, it doesn't mean I'm not trying to pursue the Word of God. I do want to pursue it. I want to take the principles and the precepts and the commandments and have them worked into my heart to a deeper degree more than ever before. But, um, you know, I, I just understand this. You know, I don't know why God chose me, but he has. Um, and I just delight in it. And I know he has a plan for me, and his promises are true for me. And he has the same thing, the same promise given to you, Montana. He loves you. He has a plan for you. And he desires for you to just stay close to him and listen to him and be comforted by him and uh, to lead you day by day. I guess I've just seen uh, a lot of horrible things in Iraq that makes it uh, difficult to imagine that, uh, well, if God has a plan, it's a very good one. I don't know why uh, why that would uh, be put upon um, anyone, all that, that horrible stuff and you know, I think about the Word of God, and then it's like, what is the Word of God exactly? We, you know, uh, you know, you look at the Sinai Bible, and you look at the uh, King James Bible, and it's, you know, obviously they're very different texts. So what is okay. the Word of God? Uh, yeah. Do we even and- dwell on words, or should we just uh, just accept it to our heart and? Uh, try our best you know here here's the thing and it's it's another study it's another discussion to get into different translations um but if you really do a study on the canon the scripture um norm geisler has some good resources josh mcdowell um others on the canon scripture how it was put together the different translations um, you know, the different ancient manuscripts that they come from. But um, I remember, I don't know if this helps, Montana, but I remember that when I was in college and I, I went to work for the government in Utah, and um, so some Mormons missionaries were talking to me and telling me that, you know, the Book of Mormon was another testament of uh, God's Word, um, another revelation. But it, it didn't pass the the test there there was um you know conflicts there were all kinds of different things when you really look at um the bible and uh how it's written and copied and translated it really stands the test of time so i would encourage you to look at you know those things about we can have confidence on the canon of scripture that is written and just as paul would write that all scripture in second timothy chapter 3 all scripture, not some of it, but all of it from Genesis to Revelation is inspired by God. That means God breathed, and it, it is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. So 
I believe we can look at the Bible and say this is, you know, accurate. Um, this is God's word and God's revelation given to us. And we can look at the world and we can see that, yeah, there's there's a messed up world out there. But part of the message of the Bible is is this world is not where it's at, that Jesus Christ is going to come back and establish his kingdom and set things right, and um, that sin is going to be judged. And it's hard to hear those stories of what's going on in Syria and Iraq. Matter of fact, had a good friend come out, um, that Wes Bentley from Far Reaching Ministries, that um, I've been in South Sudan with him, training the chaplains uh, there. And the week that he left, three chaplains were killed by the rebels in the north, tortured, burnt to death, shot. Um, just This was just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and the ministry that is being done in Syria, uh, far-reaching ministry and some of the others in Iraq, it's hard to hear the stories, but somehow God is working. And and I think that persecution may increase. Jesus said that you will have persecution. and But he always tells us to keep an eternal perspective, um, that um, there's great rewards for those who are being persecuted. Um, there is the coming of Jesus. Um, keep our eyes on the things above. There's an eternal kingdom, and this world is not where it's at, and Christians are going to be persecuted, and I believe the persecution can increase as we get closer to the return of the Lord. So sometimes that's a little hard to swallow, Montana, uh, but that's yeah. what the Bible says. Yeah. You've seen the horrible things that I've seen. It's just doesn't, the plan doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't seem particularly lovely, loving at times. And then I, I guess my last um, question is, uh, when I'm wrestling with the uh, the gospel and the word of God, how much should I view it as poetics versus the literal truth? I mean, you, you talked about some um, skepticism with dates, but I mean, how old is the earth? Is the earth, you know, 10,000 years old or is it billions of years old? Yeah, and and you're asking good questions, Montana. You're wrestling with these things that I believe that as you continue to look into it, that you're going to get good answers. But I believe that the Bible is literal. doesn't mean that there isn't poetic language. For example, on Sunday, uh, we were talking about Jesus as he's weeping over Jerusalem, would say that, how I long to gather you under my wings as a hen gathers her chicks, but would not come. David in, in the Psalms would use poetic language about hiding under the shadow of his wings. So there is poetic language that is used but we can take the Bible literal. It is true, and historically, um, and it is true as um, God gives it to us, so we can take what the Bible says. And, you know, some people say, well, the Bible needs to be changed to, to come up to speed with culture and changing culture. No, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Word of God is going to stand forever. And that's what the Bible declares, that you know what, um, the the grass is going to fade away, the flowers are going to, you know, wither away, but the Word of God will stand forever. And when I read the Word of God, I can take it as truth. The precepts, the commandments, um, the truths that are given to me, how I should live for the Lord, and most important, Montana, a loving God that's revealed to us in the plan of salvation, and that is Jesus Christ who came and died on that cross for your sins because he loves you and that he rose from the grave, and that, you know, 
this world is not where it's at, and um, Jesus uh, is our hope. He is our hope. It's not this world. And um, I can't wait um, till he comes back. I can't wait um, to be with all the believers in heaven together. And um, and he uh, has given us his word so we can be established in truth. So Okay. So I should hey, take the Bible as the word of God. Yeah, you should. It's it's the written word of God. It, and, just, um, it gets very confusing. How do you explain dinosaurs? Well, I think dinosaurs, and we can go into like Genesis. You go into the Genesis one. There was a firmament around the earth, a, a, a canopy of water, and so the earth and the fossils records um, give indication of this that it was like tropical all around the earth. And then at the flood, as the waters came up from under the crest of the earth, and that's where perhaps you got uh, continental drift, and um, that's where uh, the earth would rotate on its axis. You have seasons. Here's a good website for you, Montana. It's called Answers in Genesis, okay? If you have a computer and you type in Answers in Genesis, they will answer all of those questions for you. And they will answer it. And, very helpful yeah. to me because I don't know. Yeah. I, I had a, uh, you know, a minister say, you shouldn't have blind faith. You should always be questioning. But the more I question, the crazier it sometimes gets in my head. <laughs> it's okay to question. But you know what? You're going to find the answers. And there's some very good ministries out there. Norm Geisler. Remember that name. Um an apologist who gives us good reasons. We don't have to assassinate our brains, and it's a blind faith. There's good reasons to believe. And see, Montana, I went to school at CSU in a science field in natural resource management, and I was hearing a lot of evolution. I was hearing a lot of things, and it just, it's like, how can this world, with the complexity and diversity of creation, how could it just come to pass? Somebody had to create it. And I remember being able to look at Dr. Morris of Creation Research Institute. There's another one. They had very good reasons to believe the Genesis account. And matter of fact, next week, there's going to be a, a movie that is going to be showing in Greeley at the Greeley Cinemark about we can really have confidence in the creation story. To me, studying evolution and studying the creation account it takes more faith to believe in evolution that it just came to pass. What's that saying is, is that like a tornado going through a junkyard and creating a 747. It doesn't happen. Um, well, I'm so, not so sure about that because, I mean, you would agree that one plus one is two, right? Yeah. Well, there's as concrete uh, evidence for evolution as that. It, it's, it's, that's why I just ask if, I think I just need right. to put my brain aside and just just believe because it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, but well, I really yeah, appreciate and, uh, the Norm Geisler. I'll yeah. check out and I'll keep on. Yeah. Um, in answers in Genesis, yeah, and you know what? It's okay, Montana. To what I'm saying to you is, you don't have to assassinate your brain, but you're going to find good answers. You're asking good questions, and I think that God's going to bless it. And th- you can take the Word of God for what it says. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much. You have a good night. You too. Can I just pray with you real quick before you leave? Sure. Father, I pray for Montana. I thank you for the questions that he's asking and 
wrestling, you know, the things that he is. And Lord, I know that you'll honor um, his desire to know you and the word of God and believe in it. And as we read the word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I pray that you give him some answers. But we know that we can't produce God in a, a lab. Um, but it does take faith, that moment of, of turning to you. Um, and Lord, I pray that you would help him to grow in his faith, get some of these questions answered, and just have the assurance that the word of God is true. Lord, I pray you bless my brother here. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Montana, thanks for calling. Thank you so much. You bet. All right, let's go to line two to Liz in Denver. Liz, are you with us? Hey, thanks thanks for for holding. Yeah, no problem. Um, Quick question for you. So I, you know, I'm following God. I have the Holy Spirit. I, you know, confess my sins. I been born again. I'm reading the Bible, praying, doing doing everything that, to the best of my ability, because, you know, I'm not perfect, um, to serve God. But yeah, None of us are someone, perfect, so. But someone from church told me, oh, well, you might have the Holy Spirit, but you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And because you don't speak in tongues, she told me. Okay. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I'm confused. You don't do you have, to, have be to be? Do you have to speak in tongues? Because from what I've read, that's a gift. That's not right. necessarily something that, you know, everybody does. And just right. from what I've read, just because you don't speak in tongues doesn't mean you don't have the Holy Spirit. So what? I'm confused. I. No, you don't have to be confused because you just answered your own question, and you answered it from the Word of God. And we know that when Paul's writing about the gifts of the Spirit, he's writing that God gives these gifts as he wills. And he goes on, and he even says in the Scriptures, do all speak in tongues, do all prophesy, you know, um, do all interpret. Yeah, that's what I read. Yeah, that's well, what he's saying is the answer is obviously no. Here's the thing. Um that the believer, when they come to Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in them. And we know that in Acts chapter 1, that Jesus told the disciples um, that you wait in Jerusalem for the coming upon of the Holy Spirit, um, the epi of the Holy Spirit, to give you the power to what? Do you remember? Uh, To be my witnesses. Yeah. He didn't say to, to give you the power to speak in tongues. Or give you the power to, you know, get the Holy Ghost goosebumps or whatever. He yeah. said, to give you the power to be my witnesses. Not that you're going to go out and witness. Mm-hmm. You are going to be a witness with your life. And that's the whole purpose of the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. One of the things you see in the book of Acts is that, for example, the disciples were continually filled with the Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. One of my prayers is, Lord, fill me with your Spirit today. Fill me to overflowing. Jesus said, if you thirst, come to me and drink of me, and out of your innermost will flow torrents of living water, which speaks of the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled in an outflowing of the Holy Spirit. But the purpose of the filling of the Holy Spirit is to give us a life that we can live for him and be a witness for him. That's the, 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 the reason that you know we need the Holy Spirit and the power, the dunamis of the Holy Spirit, 
for that yeah. very purpose. And you know what? Always remember this. Yeah, the dynamite, exactly. But always remember this, Liz. What's the greatest gift? Life. Eternal life. Paul says, after he talks in 1 Corinthians in chapter 14 about, you know, the spiritual gifts, he says this, what? I show you a more excellent way. And he talks mm-hmm. about love. And the fruit of the Spirit is what? Is love. love. So, love. yeah, and right. actually, the, the yeah, and that word fruit actually is singular when he talks mm-hmm. about that in the book of Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love, which consists of what you said, righteousness, gentleness, um, long-suffering. Self-control. Uh, self-control, all that. But it all together is love. The greatest gift is agape love. And see, there are some circles of Christianity that believe, well, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Or if you don't speak in tongues, then um, you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's not in Scripture. And I think why they say that is because there are times in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit came upon the believers and they began to speak in tongues. But, you know, that's a gift. And, of course, tongues is uh, praising and adoration, uh, man speaking to God. But it's not the evidence. Um, it can be one of the evidence that you're filled with the the, the gift of the uh, and filled with the Holy Spirit. That is, but not everybody's going to have that gift. And Paul makes that very clear in First Corinthians. And Jesus said, "If you come to me and ask for the Holy Spirit, I will give the Holy Spirit. The Father's going to give to to the one who asks. If a father asks or a son asks a father for bread, he's not going to get a stone." And your good mm-hmm. Father is going to give you the Holy Spirit. So I think we receive yeah. it by faith. Just receive it yeah. by faith, Liz. That, you know, Lord, fill me because he wants to fill us so I can be your witness. So well, I think I, you're on I know I have. Yeah. I know I have the Holy Spirit simply for the fact that, um, like yesterday I was listening to the show, and one of the, I think the pastor said, um, if you have the Holy Spirit, you know, you don't have to change to come to God. God's going to change you a little bit at a time because you're going to have the Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Holy Spirit is the one that's not going to allow you. It just won't leave you alone because you're going to have that conviction. And I believe that because I went through that myself. And I tell people, you don't know if you haven't been through the Holy Spirit conviction, I said, then you haven't been through it. Because you'll know. Yeah, and, and that's said, part of it, the. Ch- you will yeah. know. I said it. It's right. such a tear inside of your soul. I said you. Yeah. You know. And and the thing to just for the listeners out there, because I get a lot of questions, and they might be thinking, what's the difference between the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the condemnation of the enemy? Because at the beginning of the show, we had some people call about you know the enemy, you know, bringing yeah. confusion to them. One of the ways that you can tell is the conviction of the Holy Spirit is always to draw you to the Lord, um, yes. to draw you to do what is right, to repentance. Yes. The condemnation of the enemy is always to push you away from the Lord, and that's the big difference. Yep. And um, so, um, yeah, the Holy Spirit is there to teach us, to guide us, to speak to our hearts, and, um, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit because we can't do it in the flesh. Um, this this we need the spirit no to we can't and, and empower us so good question i think you're on the right track liz um 
if I can just have you pray for me and my family, um, you know, like we know, you know, I was listening to Pastor Jack Hibbs this morning, and he said every event that needs to happen for the rapture has already happened. Right. Everything has already happened. We're basically just waiting, regardless of, you know, I was listening to you earlier, regardless of if it's this year or next year, or, but we are close. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm counting on God's promises that there is going to be a revival. There are going to be people that are going to be drawn back. There are miracles that are going to be happening. You know, right. God, right. you know, God has given me... I have dreams and I have visions, just like the Bible says, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, what is this? You know, I don't understand it, and I read, and I have, you know, my people at church, my pastor, and you guys, I love you guys, God bless you guys. Um, I've learned so much, and it's like, you know, and I always, I'm humbled. I'm humbled because He chose me. Yeah, and He loves you. And he wants to use you in these last days. And, you know, it's unfortunate that a lot of churches and pastors don't want to talk about the coming of the Lord. Um, we've just seen a lot of people coming. I think people are really hungry for the Word of God. And yes. um, to get some clarity and understanding uh, in this mixed-up, messed-up world that we're in. Um, just yes. as even in Montana was saying that it's hard to look at it, but God has a plan and a purpose, and Jesus is coming back. And we need to declare that, and and the church needs to wake up to that and be ready. Are you ready for the Lord? Because the yes. one who loves you, who died for you, he could come back today. We don't know. But yes. I don't think there's any prophecy that has to be fulfilled for the coming of the Lord. We don't know the day or the hour, but yes. uh, I just think, Lord, if you, if you come back today, it'd be fine with me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, can I pray for you, Liz? Yes, if you can, like I said, just pray for my friends. You know, I have a lot of friends that I've been witnessing to, my family. You know, my yeah. family, you know, like, you know, what you were saying, they see they see how you were, and they see you now, and it's like, oh, you're just, you know, you're crazy, you're being a hypocrite, you're being this, you're being that, and, like, they don't believe the change. They just don't want to believe it. And so you can just, you know, pray for my friends and my family because, I want right. to be that light. You be that light. I want light. to be it, the light yeah. for, for my family, for my friends, for people that see me. I want them to see Jesus when they see me. Yeah, and I'd love to pray for you and with you. So, Father, I do pray for Liz. She has such a heart, a tender heart, um, a heart of thankfulness that you saved her and forgiven her. She's looking for you for the coming of the Lord. She's excited. As she grows in the Word of God, I pray that you would fill her with your Holy Spirit, the overflowing, that she can be a light and a testimony of truth to her friends and family. That Lord, um, that as they see that this is not just a fad or a phase that she's going through, that she is a new creation in Christ, that they would see the reality of Jesus being worked out in her as she loves them. And I thank you for her desiring to be a witness to them. I pray that you would open up their eyes, that you would, uh, that you would, um, you know, take the hardness of heart away, and that, Lord, that you would bring them the salvation. And, Lord, I do know also, as there are those 
um, that are listening that have friends and family as well that uh, all of us that the people that are linked to us in our lives that we love and care for that we would be a light and a testimony of truth and Lord that you'd bring them to salvation uh, because we may be the only truth that they they hear maybe the only gospel that they read and um, so Lord we know that your coming is soon and uh, we're in perilous times. So, Lord, I just pray for that work of salvation for Liz, for her family and friends. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank hey, Liz. You, you keep keep listening. Keep being a witness, all right? Keep reading, all right? I can't. I can't stop. I have this insatiable hunger for God now, and I listen to you guys literally all day long. Good. You know, it reminds like me, Liz. like 5.30 in the morning, yeah. and it repeats itself. Good. You know, I have I have my Bible and I have worship songs and I mean I am being filled. So, so yeah. like I said, and I'm very it, thankful for you guys. Yeah, and Liz, it reminds me. You know, I don't know if you remember in Luke's Gospel that after the resurrection of Jesus, that she he walked with the two men going to Emmaus, and he mm-hmm. it's and they didn't know it was Jesus, and and they. Yeah. They, you know, uh, were saying, didn't you hear the things that have happened in Jerusalem, you know? And so Jesus, you know, began to talk to them and um, opened up the scriptures to them, what the prophets Mm -hmm. had to say about Messiah. Um, And it says that their hearts burned within them. And that's what I pray, that as you're taking in the word of God, that God's words would just burn within your heart. So thank you, Liz. Hey, thanks, everybody. You. You bet. Thanks, everybody, for calling. Sorry we didn't get to everybody, but God bless you. Have a great evening. Keep studying the Word. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.